In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So our passage today on this Trinity Sunday is from Isaiah chapter 6. And the reason that this is the verse that's often chosen for Trinity Sunday is because it has the components of a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. At the very least, it has the components of God being multiple persons, as God in the temple says, who will go for us and who shall we send? Right. And so sort of God talking to God's self, um, impl- implying the Trinity. Uh, and and while this is a good reading for the Trinity, as well as any reading is a good reading for the Trinity, really, um, it's, it's a better reading for everything that we've been talking about uh, of the world being turned upside down through the resurrection. And um, the sort of ironic that we're going back to the Old Testament to fill in the gap. But I think as we go forward, um, having Pentecost last week and being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and prepared to go into the world as, as uh, messengers, as priests, as um, servants and vessels of God's grace, um, this is a good a good passage because it prepares us for the reality of what mis- of what ministry and and uh, evangelism and um, being a disciple in in God's kingdom can be. Um, Because sometimes it's really, really great. Right? Sometimes um, a mission or ministry hits the mark perfectly, um, sort of like Jonah's sermon that he wasn't really thrilled with that hit the mark perfectly. But Jonah, um, who you know, three days Nineveh is going to be overturned, and whew, the whole the whole city repents um, and returns to the Lord or comes to the Lord for the first time, really. Um, an, an amazing, uh, amazing um, sermon, an amazing uh, production um, of of ministry um, from a from a sort of human standpoint, uh, and and Isaiah's maybe warns a little bit against that. Um, that it isn't always easy. That it isn't always always. Uh, well-received, that isn't always um, good job, right? Great sermon. Uh, wow, that prayer was just amazing. I felt the spirit of God upon me, right? I mean, sometimes um, it's not like that at all. And and we need to be prepared for that. And we need to be um, encouraged in that. And so one of the nice things about scripture is there's lots of passages that sort of um, encourage us uh, both ways um, as we're being faithful, encourage us when, when things are going well, and also encourage us when things aren't going so well. Um, And so we begin with, with this passage from Isaiah um, in the year that King Uzziah died. And so already there's, there's, sort of conflict, right? There's there's transition. I, Uzziah was king, reigned for 52 years. Um, 
although the last 10 years sort of co-reigned with his son because he had leprosy. But um, Isaiah, Uzziah reigned for 52 years and, and brought to Judah a great sense of, of prosperity and um, and health and vibrancy to that nation, consistency, really, as much as anything, right? Within that time, um, he did what was right before the Lord until about 42 years into his reign, he thought he should also be able to uh, offer incense on the altar. And God said, no, um, but, but even, but even within that, um, generally is regarded as, as a king that did right before, before the eyes of God. And we're about to move into a king Ahaz who doesn't do right before the eyes of God. And so what, it's in this moment, in the year that King Uzziah died, in the, in the year of this political um, upheaval, in this political shift, in this um, time of, of health and prosperity and vitality and economic growth in the kingdom comes maybe a little bit of, of um, uncertainty, a little bit of uneasiness. Um, a little bit of worry and concern. And, and it's in this that, that Isaiah sees this vision. And he sees this vision where it's just the hem of God's robes filling the whole temple, right? You can't even, you're not even seeing like the face of God. You're only seeing God sort of from the legs down, waist down, and his entire robes fill the temple and there's seraphs flying around, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and in this passage, um, we, we get a real sense of um, kings may come and kings may go, but the Lord is the king, right? Empires will, will rise, empires will fall, but the kingdom of the Lord perseveres forever. Um, so even though you're in the midst of a political shift, a political turmoil, um, Isaiah or Americans, right? Even though you feel like um, this is all about you, this is just a blip on the radar of, of God's holy reign. And God is the king of kings and lord of lords. God is the one whose robes fill the temple and um, is the one who's, who's purely holy. Um, and this is, the, this is sort of the crux of this, of this vision, of this hope, really, right, of this promise, that even in the midst of, of everything that can go wrong in a national or a global sense when one um, bad president or one bad king or one bad government can come into power, there's temporary. Um, it may not feel temporary for, for you while you're in it, but it's temporary and temporal. Um, God is, is the Holy One. Um, God, who in this case is, is not only planning to, to send forth uh, messengers and, and prophets to declare the word of hope and promise to the people, 
But God is preparing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to into the world to redeem the world and to send forth the spirit of God into the world to empower and embolden and and fill the people with with the presence of God that they might become holy temples of God that this temple vision that Isaiah sees isn't a temple vision that's out there it's a temple vision that becomes in here where we experience the 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 glory the full glory and power of God within us and so in in this in this passage as isaiah sees this image of god all of a sudden isaiah senses his unworthiness right senses his um the fact that he is he's not good enough he's not worthy enough he's not holy enough woe i'm a man of unclean lips i live among the people of unclean lips And a seraph flies and takes a tong with a burning coal from the altar and, and touches his lips to make it clean. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Right? It's a glorious image of, of the power of God. And, and indeed, though we don't at the absolution take coals out of the incense pot and touch everybody's lips or touch everybody's hearts or anything like that the image is still is still clear that that in in christ our sins have been and burned away we are like um what's what's also in, in jeremiah is the refiner's fire we've we've been refined in the fire of god um those impurities get get taken out of us when we come and embrace the spirit of god when the spirit of god sort of, you know, in in the image of fire on Pentecost, that fire of the God's spirit comes and, and purifies, cleanses, drives out those things and, and heals us and forgives us and cleanses us and makes us worthy, makes us holy. Maybe not in, in contrast to still the living God, but that's not the point, right? The point is that... Um, we become worthy to be before God. We we become worthy to worship. Um, for this is what this is, right? This is this is an act of worship, an act of, of worship that really worship literally means draw near so as to kiss. Draw near so as to kiss. Like this is what Isaiah is seeking as well, to draw near to worship. So as to kiss the living God, so as to be in the presence of the living God. And then, and then we hear that verse, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And here our passage ends. And we've got great songs, right? The here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord, right? I'll go for you, Lord. Um, and it's, it's such a great, it's such a great song um that 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 really fills into our our heart of that we've been called um by god and, and that we've accepted that call but 
Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Go, say to this people, Keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the hearts of this people dull and their eyes heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Which is not a promising thing. Basically, go and keep preaching, even though, in all honesty, your words are not going to be heard. In the midst of this new political reign, in the midst of trying to to find your your own health and prosperity and wealth in in this in this new reign of Ahaz, um, people aren't going to be listening. It's going to be it's it's going to be um, a hard go. Uh, people are going to listen to you and they're going to not hear it. They're going to look at you and they're not going to see it. Um, And then I said, how long, Lord? Right? Isaiah says, how long, Lord? How long? Um, And he says, until cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled and the holy seed is its stump. And here's the, the promise and hope of, of that remnant of Israel that we always talk about at Advent time, the, the stump of, of Jesse after the exile. But really, really God is, is, is telling Isaiah, you're, gonna, you're going to bear witness and continue to be faithful and continue to proclaim the holiness of God, despite the fact that people are not going to listen and they're, they're not going to listen and they're not going to listen. And eventually they're going to be conquered and led into exile. But none of that changes what you are to do. And I think this is, this is a helpful passage for us. Um, at least for me, I don't, I don't know about, about you in, in the midst of sort of becoming a priest in the middle of the, the whole church growth boom, um, where mega churches uh, became uh, not just the new thing, but 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 a regular thing. Um, there there became uh, sort of this this idol almost, right, placed on numbers, placed on wealth, placed on average Sunday attendance, placed on amount of, of offerings, placed on the size of the building, placed on how many hits on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, etc. Um, these things become held up as reflecting faithfulness to God. Um, and, and it isn't saying that it, it isn't always faithfulness to God, but faithfulness to God does not always lead to, to prosperity. Faithfulness to God often leads to um, suffering, injustice, 
arrest. Thinking back to, to civil rights marchers and, and others. Oftentimes, being faithful to God means standing against the reign of today's world, which is, which is not received well, often with dull ears and without understanding. And when it begins to affect the prosperity of people's lives, then they really um, turn away as well. And so this passage is, is for me, an, an encouragement um, because it's easier to listen to God knowing that I just have to be obedient to God and be faithful to God in my life and in my ministry than in trying to figure out What's the best way to increase our attendance? What's the best way to um, get more hits on our social media platform? What's the best way to increase our offerings? All which are worthy, but that's not the goal, right? The goal is how do we become more faithful to God? How do we live more obediently to God? How do we listen? How do we worship? How do we stand as light and as priests and accept rejection? For we're not good at rejection, right? We're not. Um, you, you know, all you have to do is, is look at um, at something I heard about about like teenage girls who they post a picture on Instagram and have to immediately um, see who's liking it, and if there aren't likes, like immediately they begin to wonder what's going on, what's wrong, right? And and while this may be an extreme case, it's it's become part of of our society a little bit. You know, we don't take rejection well. We, we, I'm not sure we ever take rejection well, but I think it's gone to even a new, a new height even today. Isaiah faced rejection, right? He faced serious rejection. Um, and was told from the beginning he was going to face rejection. I don't like rejection, don't get me wrong. I prefer, much prefer uh, people to be excited and enthusiastic and to be receiving and to hear and to listen and to respond with joyful and glad hearts. But that doesn't supersede being faithful to God, being obedient to the words of God. And so we're invited to listen. We're invited to be courageous. We're invited to be filled with the Spirit of God and, and to live fully under that Spirit. Whatever the circumstances and however um, 
the audience receives us. And so as we go forth as a parish, as congregation, into the world this Pentecost season, may we be filled with the Spirit of God. May we be empowered by the love of God and may we be strengthened by the reality that not everybody will be thrilled with the message of God's love and grace. Amen.